Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we're talking about season five, episode 15 of The Vampire Diaries, which is called Gone Girl. Yeah, the girl is gone. She's gone, girl. (laughs) I had a lot of fun with this one for obvious reasons. This episode is a lot of fun. And I should say, if it wasn't abundantly clear, this brings us to the end of the passenger chapter. We cleared the main passenger out. (laughs) The one passenger we know of at this moment. She's gone, girl. I'll start, as always, by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. While Nadia remembers her centuries-long search for her mother, Stefan, Caroline, and Matt come up with a desperate new plan to save Elena's life. For the second time, Bonnie and Jeremy must turn to live for help. Damon baits Tyler into a nasty confrontation, then takes off to seek revenge on Dr. Wes. Caroline and Tyler come to a new understanding. Finally, Bonnie learns of a terrifying secret that will threaten the lives of all her friends. We start the episode back in time. It's a flashback. Northern Europe, vague, but the year is specific, 1520. (laughs) So we can imagine at this point, Nadia is either freshly turned or her actual age because she was born in what, 1492? 1490 she was born because 1492 is when Catherine's family was all dead. So she would be 30 at this point, which might be the age she is. We see Nadia. She knocks on the door of a cottage. She's got her hair done like as if she had a Dyson hair wrap. It's like, okay, maybe you are Catherine's daughter. Look at your hair. Yeah. <laughs> that shit is curled. Some guy answers the door and he doesn't want to answer it. He's like, no girl. But she says, if I could trouble you for a moment. She says, I am looking for someone. Katerina Petrova. She was last seen outside of London in 1492. She's on the run. I need to find her. I need to ask her why she abandoned me. Off to a great start for the rest of your life now. is That's how you're going to spend it, huh? Damn, bitch, you live like this? <laughs> you know, we all have our own priorities. Ain't that the truth? Some are stupid and some are not. Who can say? Who can say whose is whose? Then we go to the present. They're in some, like, abandoned warehouse-esque building. Mm-hmm. Wes's makeshift lab, we can assume. Something abandoned that he could sneak into, it appears. Yeah, it's not the abandoned hospital he was in, but it's another abandoned building. Like, he doesn't have a house. Come on. How badly do you actually want to do this research? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're just going to keep getting kicked out of places. Exactly. Nadia's laying on a table or in a bed. She's laying on something. She's not looking good. The werewolf bite is definitely taking its toll on her. Yeah. It's a look we've seen many times. She is sweating. Yeah. And she's a little delirious. She says, please, I need to know. And Catherine says, Nadia, Nadia, I'm right here. We see Nadia's werewolf fight. It looks worse. And Nadia says, oh, I was dreaming about how I searched for you from village to village. And Catherine says, yeah, I heard. You said I abandoned you. You were ripped from my arms as a baby. It's completely different. Catherine. (laughs) Catherine, you don't really need to correct her here. She is dying. And in her experience, that's the same as being abandoned. Yes. She literally says, it's not different for a child without a mother and like Catherine yes you didn't abandon her your dad abandoned her but still she did end up abandoned and you know what even if she's wrong she's on her deathbed just let her be right today (laughs) I mean I know at this point Catherine is under the impression that maybe Wes will help it's a very real possibility she's not making it through the day girl yeah I mean this whole episode I was like oh Nadia's gonna die I did not see a way for her to get out of this yeah at least a way that was gonna happen because Klaus wasn't coming up here Yeah, he was not going to be coming. Catherine says, you know, 
all this guilt is taking the fun out of our mother-daughter outing. And then Catherine says, look, I'm sorry Tyler bit you, but you're not going to die. Nadia asks the question we're all asking. She says, did you ask Klaus for his blood? Because as far as we know, that's the only way that she's not going to die. That's all we've seen. Unfortunately for Nadia, that is a stupid question. And Catherine treats it as such. (laughs) Catherine says, you really are delirious. Nadia, he would love nothing more than to watch my daughter die. And Nadia says, oh, and you don't want to risk being outed. And Catherine says, no, I don't. I mean, it's certainly a combo of the two of those. Like, yes, it would out her. But I think why risk being outed for something that he will never do? Yes. I mean, she never outright says this throughout the episode. None of them address this. But like, even if Catherine decided to call Klaus, he wouldn't come. And if he did come, he would show up just to say, I'm not giving you my blood. Rotten hell, Catherine's daughter. Nice to meet you. I'm Klaus. Yeah, he didn't take his revenge on Catherine so he could sleep with Caroline. He made no promises on Nadia. And also, to be fair, when he slept with Caroline, it was under the explicit terms that he would not come back here. Yeah. He would weigh, like, help Catherine or keep Caroline on my good side. Caroline's the priority, unfortunately. Yeah, and he would sooner get this phone call and be like, oh, I'll think about it. And then call Caroline and be like, how is Catherine still alive? Because didn't she die? Like, he would immediately blow up her spot. That's the big piece of it is, like, we've talked about this before. I think Catherine knows that this is not a forever solution. But she doesn't need to, like, hasten it along getting caught by calling the guy who hates her the most in this world. For a favor that he will never do. Like, it's not even about outing her. There's no point in calling him because if he answers the phone, step one. Yeah. You will say, hey, Klaus. I hate to ask you this, but I really need your blood to cure my daughter. He would laugh, 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 and then hang up. And even if Catherine didn't say it was her daughter, even if she played like, oh, I'm Elena. I need your blood to save this woman who I don't know. (laughs) It's so silly. And like her other plan could be to call Elijah, but... Elijah didn't show up when she was on her deathbed, so she doesn't really know if there's any love lost between her and Elijah. I mean, we don't know. Maybe Elijah's got a new girlfriend in New Orleans. It's impossible to say. I will say the only plan that I think could have potentially worked, Mm -hmm. which I don't think Catherine had enough information to even try this, and it would have been way extra work to go through this, is to say, hey, Tyler really wants this woman dead. That's why he bit her. I want Tyler to suffer. I don't know how she's going to sell that she's against Tyler in this. Here's the plan that works, actually. And again, this is far too many pieces and too much work when she thinks she has an out with Wes. So I get why she doesn't do this. She says, hey, Klaus, it's me, Elena. Tyler really wants this woman to die. So he bit her. Me, personally, I don't have an opinion on her much. But Tyler broke Caroline's heart, as you well know. And so I would love A vial of your blood. Tyler really wants to kill Caroline's new college friend. And don't look at her too close because I know she doesn't look like she's in college. And don't ask her to speak because I know she's got an accent. Because this friend kept telling her to not get back together with Tyler. And so Tyler bit her. Isn't that fucked up? And it would be really helpful to Caroline if you would save her. Now, too many moving pieces. I think she would still get caught in this because... Klaus would immediately call Caroline to fact check this. But I'm just saying she has an option. It's just a little goofy. That's how far she would have to go. 
She just doesn't even want to involve Klaus. And logistically, like, Julie Plett can't involve Klaus because he's on another show. Again, I get why Catherine isn't calling Klaus. And let's be honest. I mean, you know, we see the end of the episode that Catherine is very emotional about Nadia, which I think is both true and untrue to the character. And we can talk about that when we get there. Mm -hmm. But I don't think Catherine particularly wants Nadia alive forever and ever. Yeah. She obviously doesn't love spending time with the woman. I think it's something that it's not worth moving heaven and earth for to her. Yes. Especially when she feels like Wes is going to solve it, which I don't know if she actually feels that way, but. I think she's kind of like, you know, if Klaus were in town and this wasn't like a difficult thing to do, or like if someone had hybrid blood floating around, I don't think she cares enough about Nadia to go through all the hoops it would be to get to Klaus's blood. Because I think, you know, she doesn't want Nadia to die. But even if they told her, like, Wes is not an option at this point in the day, I still don't think she would have called Klaus. Yeah. He would have just given Nadia a nice, peaceful day. Exactly. Now, we've been saying the Salvatores should have a little stash of Klaus's blood. But in this case, I guess it's kind of lucky they didn't. After they talked about Klaus, Catherine says, that's why I called him. And in comes Dr. Wes Maxfield. Ooh. He says, nice to meet you. I'm Dr. Maxfield. And Catherine says, luckily for us, he'd love nothing more than to study your blood. He says, you know, werewolf venom isn't exactly easy to come by. Nadia says, get away from me. And Catherine says, Nadia, it's okay. And Wes says, listen to your mother. The venom in your blood is a toxin with basic chemical properties. Once I study its makeup, I can create an antidote. There's two main issues with this. Number one. I can tell you what the chemical properties are in that venom. It's magic. Yeah. Magic go to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and number two, the other problem is Wes's number one goal is to kill all vampires. So why would he help this one vampire? Now, both of these are answered by the fact that Wes is bullshitting them. He doesn't think he's going to be able to figure out the blood and he doesn't care. Yeah, he just wanted some werewolf venom. And in this way, Wes slays this. It's his last slay, but it's a good one. Yeah, it gets away from him pretty quickly. But it is like, when this scene goes on, it's like, why is Wes doing this? This is stupid. And it's stupid in a way that Wes isn't usually. So it's like, what? Yeah. And I get like, it's not that easy to come by werewolf venom. But like fucking Connor had werewolf venom coming out of his ass. Like, where was he getting it all? Like, can't be that hard to find. Well, but you have to remember that Connor had at least a certain level of social skills. That's true. Does it look like Wes has social skills? We've seen him hang out with exactly two people. Aaron Whitmore and Diane Freeman. (laughs) Rest in peace to both of them. And his one dance with Elena, which was deeply uncomfortable. Catherine says to Nadia, like, it's okay. So Wes starts taking some blood and Nadia says to Catherine, you know, if I'd have known that I just had to die to drag your attention from Stefan, I would have tried a long time ago. You're joking, but I'm honestly shocked dying worked. Yeah. (laughs) Catherine says, if you're trying to make me feel guilty, it's almost working. (laughs) Because she says, because I was a bitch to you last week. Because I was a bitch until literally you told me you got bit. Yeah, I was prioritizing Stefan above you until that exact moment. Yeah. <laughs> and Nadia says, look, I'm just glad you're here now. And Catherine says, me too. I'm going to be a better mother starting right now. For like the 10 hours left. And you know what? Say what you about Catherine. She is a better mother for the last like 12 hours of Nadia's life. She was very maternal in her way. 
Yeah. And then Catherine says, I promise you I'm going to save your life. Shouldn't promise that. Let's not promise things we don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Then we go over to the dungeons in the Salvatore house where Stefan has caught Damon up to speed. And Damon says, she's brilliant. Yeah. There's a part of Damon that has to kind of laugh at himself for buying it. Yeah. We're saying, wow, I took that breakup so, so hard. I really went off the deep end there. And of course, it was somehow Catherine's fault. Yeah. And of course, it was bullshit. That's just my luck. That's classic me. (laughs) Stefan says, we haven't noticed that Catherine's been inhabiting Elena's body for weeks. And that's all you have to say. And Damon says, yeah, I've got other shit going on. Well, yeah, it is brilliant because she did it for weeks. Like, she pulled it off. She did. Stefan says, and you realize that it was Catherine who broke up with you. It wasn't Elena. And he says, yeah, I understand that now. He says, no, I get it. I'm I'm there with you. I'm caught up. And Stefan says, right. So your little murder spree with Enzo, where you killed Aaron, nearly killed Jeremy, and tried to kill Wes, but got infected with the Ripper virus. That was all you reacting to Catherine. Damon says, like, don't say that. Damon says, I've already gone through that same logic. You don't have to spell it out for me. I'm with you on it. I'm here. I'm not proud of it, but it's what happened. Damon says, I'm trying to figure out why you decided to tell a starving vampire feeding ripper that his nemesis is walking around alive and well. Well, I'm stuck in this cell and can't do anything about it. And Stefan says, I have it under control. And Damon says, well, I would love to hear this. So then we go into the living room of the Salvatore house. Matt says, hang on. Catherine's still alive? How is that even possible? Poor Matt. Poor Matt got to be the first one to figure this out and he gets none of the credit for it because he doesn't remember. No one has any idea that he figured this out weeks ago. Yeah. Everyone's just explaining this to him like he didn't figure it out before all of them. And he is shocked because he doesn't remember figuring it out. At this point, I'm kind of rooting for him to become a vampire because I want him to know. I want him to undo all this compulsion. Caroline says, okay, well, remember that time Nadia's ex, Gregor, hitched a ride in your head? Well, it's kind of the same thing. Catherine is a passenger in Elena, except it's worse because none of us seem to notice. And you know what? This is, like, deeply damning. Someone should have noticed the only person who has an excuse is Matt because it was being actively compelled out of him. Yeah, because, you know, she was doing a pretty good job, but they go on and on about how brilliant she was. There were red flags popping up every fucking which way. Yes, and... I do think they were all going through their own things. They were all self-involved. But I think this is more damning to them as friends than the Stefan or the Bonnie thing. Because this is after those two things happened. Yeah. You should be more suspicious. And I get it. She was there. She was talking. Whatever. I would feel like shit. Well, and especially because you guys all act like Elena's the main character about everything. You guys will do anything for this girl. And you don't know that's not her. She started curling her hair more. She's killing her hair more. She's dressing differently. She's not trying to date Damon anymore. Caroline, you've been fighting her to stop dating Damon for years. She's never once listened to you. And then she decides to completely give up on him immediately. Because he dumped her one time? Suspicious. It's suspicious. But, you know, whatever. They can all believe that Catherine was the master manipulator. Yeah. She is a master manipulator. She didn't show it here. That's all I'll say. And granted, yes, this is Catherine's best Elena performance to date. Yeah. But. (laughs) But that's comparing to far worse Elena performances. Again, there were so many red flags for each person. And Tyler spends less time with her. I kind of get it. Well, no one expected Tyler to figure shit out. You know who is the dumbest of the dumb in this case? And I hate to even say it. It's fucking Bonnie. Because Catherine didn't pass through to the other side. Yes, that is 
so unbelievably damning. And I cannot believe this is like, I'll get to my problems with the passenger chapter at the end of this, because I think this chapter is awful. I hate this chapter. <laughs> it ruins all of season five for me. Actually, the next chapter certainly doesn't help, but I hate this <laughs> chapter for a number of reasons. I'll get into it. But one of those is like, that is just a huge, huge issue. And I think I would even argue that another big idiot, and I hate to say this, and you all know I love her to death, but Caroline, what the fuck? Because Stefan is one thing, but he is just a man. Yeah. Like, he's got his own thing with Elena. Catherine's, like, seducing him. Like, he is also dumb. We've railed on Stefan for being dumb. And Damon's dumb for not seeing the red flags in the breakup. But Caroline was with Elena every single day. Yeah. She should have picked up on this. And especially the part that's really damning is Elena letting it slip to Tyler about Klaus. And yes, Catherine played it off as an accident. But in what world would Elena say to you, who was better to sleep with, Tyler or Klaus? Elena would never ask that question. Yeah, she doesn't want to know because she doesn't want to sleep with Tyler or Klaus. She would say, Caroline, are you okay? And again, I know Caroline had her own, like, neuroses going on there and i can't put all this pressure on caroline to be the smartest one in the group all the time but as tyler says people expect more from her i expect more from caroline than i do from stefan i'm so sorry at the end of the day she is the smartest one in the group so she should have been the first one to figure it out now she kind of was because matt doesn't really count yeah it still took her longer than it should have and she is feeling the pressure and i you know everyone feels bad about it and we'll see how elena reacts i mean she's gonna have other things to deal with (laughs) yeah i'm less mad at caroline because she was trying to give Elena space in the breakup because I think she didn't want to talk to her too much about it because she was scared she'd change her mind. Mm-hmm. But it is a bad showing from Caroline. Tyler says, she was at my house. How did none of us figure it out? And Caroline says, because it's Catherine and she's smart and conniving and sneaky. We're the worst friends ever. The last part is definitely true. <laughs> yeah, she is smart and conniving and sneaky, but she came to that party at Tyler's house and said, where's Catherine buried? Yeah. <laughs> And again, she said this to Stefan. She said, maybe we should have a funeral for Catherine. She said to Stefan, don't you feel bad about Catherine? Guys. And again, this is all Stefan, not them. But still. Uh, They all should have been putting their heads together a little bit more on this. Yeah. And then on the phone, because they have the rest of the group on speaker, they have Bonnie and Jeremy on speaker while they're at Whitmore. Jeremy says, wait, this makes no sense. She saved my life. She gave me CPR when Enzo tried to kill me. Catherine wouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. She was hiding her identity. And looks like it worked. She was (laughs) pretending to be Elena. And then Bonnie says, yeah, that's what made her so believable. She played Elena to a T. If she let you die, her cover was blown. That isn't even playing Elena to a T. That's a layup. And she asked, she said, is there any chance I'd let Jeremy die? Because she wanted to. She tried to find a loophole, even though she knew it would blow her cover. She still tried to find a loophole to let Jeremy die. Yeah. Just because she didn't? Like, she waited until the last second to save you. She waited until you needed CPR. Come on. Caroline says, oh my god, I was sleeping three feet away from her. She picked out my bitter ball dress. I let her use my toothpaste. Stefan comes in and then he says, yeah, well, did she lure you into a hotel room to make out with you? Why are you bragging that you're the dumbest of everyone? That's a much more embarrassing story for you. Yes. Well, did she make you guys fall for a silly little dance in the bathroom? That makes you sound dumber than everyone, which, to be fair, Stefan, again, gold medal at the Dumbass Olympics. He's up on that podium still. He's still waiting for the flowers to pour in. Yeah, they won't. 
Tyler says, she's the reason I found out about you and Klaus. And Caroline says, oh my God, of course. Of course she did it, but you know, there was still something for her to reveal. So let's not get that mad at Catherine about it. Exactly. Tyler says, okay, so how do we kill the bitch? You don't get to say bitch. You don't get to call her a bitch, first of all. But I do appreciate that you are just getting straight to business. Because I know you haven't gotten to kill any of your enemies, really. So he needs a win. Stefan says, well, passengers can be expelled from the host. We saw it happen with Matt. Gregor died and Matt lived. All we have to do is stab her with the traveler knife. And Matt says, and I have the knife Nadia gave me. And Tyler makes a face like, got it, we're done. Tyler says, touchdown, baby, we got the knife. Let's go. Tyler says, this is really easy, actually. (laughs) And then Stefan says, perfect, go get the knife. And Caroline says, hold on. This is Catherine we're talking about. She's going to see a sneak attack coming from a mile away. We got to get her to come to us, get her guard down, corner her. She wouldn't see the sneak attack coming, really, if you just have Stefan call her and ask her on a date. Well, that's the thing is, like, I think they overthink this part of it. And we can get into it more as we talk about it. Like, yes, you do need to get her to come to you. Mm -hmm. But she has no reason not to come to you in the future. Like, if you just don't raise any alarm bells, she's eventually coming back. Yeah, this is just a bad day to get her away from Nadia, which like, like they didn't need to worry about it. They could have just been like, okay, I guess today is not a good day to get her. We'll wait a couple of days, which like, I guess they don't want to do because I already feel bad for yeah. not knowing it was Elena all this time. So like, oh shit, we can't really make her wait any longer. But how's she going to know? Exactly. Tyler says, well, fat chance you'll be seeing her today. I'm pretty sure I bit Nadia. <laughs> Matt says, what do you mean you bit her? What do you mean? What do you mean? He bit her. There's not any other meanings to that. It's not a nuanced sentence. I love Tyler being like, well, I bit her daughter, so good luck with that. He's like, that's not my problem anymore. I already did that. Yeah. (laughs) Tyler says, well, she was attacking Caroline, and I might have nipped her a little. Matt says, you're just mentioning this now? Tyler said, I didn't like her. Tyler said, it was Nadia. We're not talking about Nadia. I didn't think that mattered. Yeah. Caroline says, focus. Okay, Tyler is right. Catherine's not going to leave Nadia's side unless not leaving compromises her identity, which means we've got to invite her to something Elena can't say no to. And so the plan they come up with is that they're throwing a surprise birthday party for Bonnie. A number of issues with this plan. It's way too low stakes. I thought they were going to say Jeremy died again. It's just, it's so funny because, again, they're overthinking this. This plan is too based in reality because Bonnie says... A surprise party? Seriously, I wanted a spa day. You try feeling the death of every supernatural creature who passes through you on the way to the other side. And Jeremy says, oh, I'm not saying you don't deserve it. Besides, her birthday isn't until next week. So like, canonically, they all sat down and they said, whose birthday is the closest to right now? It's like, you guys, she doesn't know any of your history. Just make up an obscure tradition and say you do it on this day every year. Just call them and say, Oh, you're not coming. <laughs> you're not coming to Mystic Falls for dance day. <laughs> Here's one for the anniversary of when her father opened his medical practice. Yes. Oh, you're not coming to Mystic Falls for Gilbert Day. <laughs> I just made a day up. <laughs> there are so many other things you can do. Like I know that Catherine doesn't like Damon, but you can respect that as Elena, she would feel very emotional about this whole Damon Ripper situation. Pretend that you didn't notice she wanted him dead. And just say, Damon's asking for you. He really needs you. We think he's going to hurt Stefan if you don't come. Yeah. That's easier than a surprise party. Of course she's going to say no to a surprise party. Yeah. Or the other thing I would do, which 
would end up not working because she's in cahoots with Wes Maxfield at this point mm-hmm. is say something like something's happening with with the Ripper virus. Damon's dying, whatever. It looks like it seems like he has a werewolf fight. Tyler bit Stefan because he's defending Caroline or something. Who knows? Yeah. The other option, which, you know, Catherine takes this option because they didn't because they're dumbasses. We are planning a funeral for Aaron. Yes. Now, do I think that's stupid and they should have a funeral? No. But in theory, Catherine knows enough about Elena that she would probably come. I mean, even say they're throwing a funeral for Catherine. (laughs) That's the way. I mean, and then she'd be like, "Mm, Elena wouldn't go to that. But it just it feels like it is so like equal parts overthought and underthought to just say whose birthday is it? (laughs) Let's throw them a party. So anyway, Caroline is on the phone with Catherine and she says, the fact that Barney's birthday isn't until next week is what makes it a surprise. Sure. Okay. Catherine says, yeah, I don't really think Bonnie would want a big party for her birthday, which is actually kind of true, which is another reason that Bonnie's a bad choice, which is another reason you shouldn't have just said whose birthday is closest. I don't know. Pick one of their birthdays. You know, Matt's being compelled. Like, but there's no way she actively is remembering every one of your birthdays. Yeah. Like that information went in one ear and out the other. Or honestly, say it's the anniversary of when your parents died. How's she going to know? I think picking something with the parents makes the most sense because no way Catherine thought to study the parents who have been dead for five years. Yes, exactly. I just think the best thing you can do is pick an obscure tradition that falls on this day every year. Yeah. She won't know it's not made up. I think an obscure tradition that you make up or something that there's no way she would know is important. We're having a funeral for Bonnie's dad. She doesn't know Silas killed Bonnie's dad. And she would kind of have to be there for Bonnie. That would actually be a good one. That'd be a better one than Bonnie's surprise party. But I know that we kind of have to get to the really goofy part, which is them all finding out who knows everything. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense that this is uh, not a smart one. And Caroline says, oh, of course Bonnie wants a big thing for her birthday. So when can you get over to Stefan's to help us set up? And Catherine says, I would love to, but... I can't, you know, I'm making arrangements for Aaron Whitmore's funeral. The only reason Damon killed him was because we broke up. So I kind of feel like I owe it to Aaron. You understand, right? Now this. Fantastic, Catherine. Excellent lie. Caroline is pissed because it slays so hard. Because Caroline can't say shit to this and she knows it. The great thing about this lie is no one can say like you can't plan something, but also no one else is close to Aaron. So Caroline can't say, oh, let me help you. Yeah, no one else would want to plan something. Flawless, Catherine. Perfect. Great thinking on your feet here. Caroline rolls her eyes and says, oh, of course, that's really nice of you. And then we go check in at the warehouse. Catherine is sitting with Nadia and her phone rings again. And Nadia says, wow, Elena, you're so popular today. It's Bonnie calling. And Catherine says, hey, Bonnie. And Bonnie says, hey, how's it going? And Catherine says, you sound tired. Sending Bonnie in as the second phone call is also stinker of a plan. Yeah. Catherine will listen to Caroline or Stefan. And Caroline is kind of a, like, as an Elena pole. And Catherine's turning on Caroline a little bit because she's flirting with Stefan a little too much. (laughs) Yeah. Bonnie says, oh, you know, like, I had to pull an all-nighter for my sociology exam. Then I woke up to a coven of dead Russian witches passing through me on the way to the other side. Sorry, self-pity, so not cute. An all-nighter for your sociology exam? Idiot. What's there to study? (laughs) Nature versus nurture? Like... (laughs) Catherine says, no, I get it. Like, you're the anchor now. It must be exhausting. And Bonnie says, you want to meet up for coffee or something? It's been one of those days. So their first plan is someone's birthday party. And their second plan is going to get coffee? What the fuck? 
at least have Jeremy call her for coffee if coffee's the second tier plan. I just don't understand. <laughs> it's just foolish. They sat down and the whole group said, whose birthday? Who can get coffee? No, I don't think they thought about the second plan. Yeah. Because they were like, okay, the birthday thing is airtight. Like, that's a home run. <laughs> and that didn't work. And they said, shit. And they said, who's got their phone on them? And Bonnie was already on speakerphone. So they said, Bonnie, end this call. Call her really quick and come up with something. They said, Bonnie, you've got that great AT&T phone. <laughs> yeah, Bonnie said, well, I'm the only one who wouldn't have been involved with this surprise party. So I'll call. They're on speakerphone. And they're like, Bonnie, here's the thing. We're using Matt's dumbass phone, which is on Verizon. So he's almost out of minutes. Because <laughs> we've, we've had you on speakerphone for three hours. And we know you at AT&T, like, you get unlimited minutes, which is such a great deal. And I know your bill is just as much as Matt's. Yeah. If not cheaper. So you got a collar. <laughs> yeah. And Catherine says, this is going to sound crazy, but I'm actually at the day spa right now buying you a gift certificate for your birthday. It was supposed to be a surprise, but well, surprise. And at this point, I mean, Catherine might as well use the Aaron Whitmore lie again, but anything that gets Bonnie off the phone. They're talking all day about, oh, Catherine's so cunning. She tricked us for weeks. You think she wasn't going to come up with a lie on the phone? You guys had no prep for these. <laughs> Like, do you think she was just gonna be like, okay, on my way? She's a crafty bitch. She's gonna pick a lie. Especially if you know that she is with her dying daughter. Yeah. And the day spa one is not even a good lie. But you still have nothing to say to it because you didn't prep for the lies at all. Exactly. And Bonnie says, you read my mind. That's so you. And Catherine says, I'll check back in later, okay? And Bonnie says, K, and they hang up. And Catherine is like, why are they being so clingy today? And even in her state, Nadia starts to realize. Yeah, Nadia's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> then we go over to the dungeon. Stefan is hanging out with Damon. And he cuts his hand and gives Damon a little glass of his own blood. And says, here you go, drink. Damon takes the little cup. He drinks it really fast. And he says, okay, well, <laughs> I need more. And Stefan says, well, <laughs> too bad. Stefan said, yeah, that's the point. Stefan says, yeah, I've heard that one before. I've said that many times. You don't. <laughs> says, tell me about it, right? <laughs> and Damon says, that was nothing. And Stefan says, well, no, that was exactly four ounces. When you were out killing vampires, you said one vampire kept you good for eight hours. So our friend Caroline did a little math. And Damon says, Caroline? And Stefan says, she had a calculator. <laughs> As though she's not the smartest one of all, y'all. I know. But haha, we giggle. And Stefan says four ounces three times a day should be just enough to help manage the hunger. Damon smashes his little cup, which they were going to reuse. And also there was still blood in there, you dumbass. And then he stands up and he says, you mean manage me? Yeah. I mean, same difference right now. It is what it is. Stefan says, yeah, so you don't rip anyone's head off. We'll deal with your crisis once we get Elena back. And Damon says, oh, I'll deal with my own crisis. You just let me out of here. I'll find Wes and get the antidote. And Stefan says, then what? You skip town? Leave it to me to tell Elena everything you did after you thought she broke up with you? And then Stefan takes out his phone and Damon says, hey, who are you calling? And Stefan says, you know, Catherine's been making a lot of excuses. And I have a feeling she won't be able to say no to me. Why didn't you start with him? Let's be serious. I get that maybe like starting with Caroline is a little less suspicious, but is it really after the kiss in the motel? No, because this is what you do, Stefan. Beep, 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 on the phone. Hey, Elena, I'm just really thinking about the other night, and I just really think we need to talk about what this means for us and for Damon. You know, I think we've just both been through a lot, and I really think we need to do this in person. Bada bing, bada boom. Bada bing. Or even better, you can just be like, look, 
I really want to talk to you. And I know that like Damon's in the basement and it's not a good time. And I know I shouldn't be saying this, but I really need to see you. Reverse psychology. I just feel like I need to see you so bad. I'm, I don't know who else I could talk to about this. Yeah, my mind's all over the place. I can't talk to anyone else about this. It's so fucking easy. Hello, <laughs> idiot. But then another phone starts to vibrate. It's a phone in Stefan's pocket. Stefan says, oh, Damon, it's your phone. Elena's calling. Answer it. Now, this is what I would do if I were Stefan at this point. I answer Damon's phone. I say, hey, why are you calling Damon's phone? Oh, also, did Caroline tell you about the surprise party we're throwing? When are you going to show up? <laughs> Hey, sorry, I'm answering Damon's phone because he's in the dungeon because he's a ripper. Sorry, I'm answering Damon's phone because he tried to kill you yesterday, so he doesn't get his phone. So he lost his phone privileges. Also, he's in the basement because that would really be a downer for the dope surprise party we're throwing. By the way, I'm hoping you can make your way over here because we just need some help. Caroline forgot to buy chips. And can you pick up cups? (laughs) See? And then stab. There are so many options here. We have laid out so many choices. It's too easy. (laughs) But no, Stefan lets Damon answer the phone. Damon, who's notably so good at one, handling Catherine, and two, at successfully manipulating someone. Yeah, Damon, who's underfed, and they haven't even talked about what the plan is for this phone call. Let it go to voicemail, worst case scenario, and Stefan call back, but whatever. Damon says, Elena, hey. And Catherine says, hey, how are you? And Damon says, oh, you know, strung up, hungry, same old, same old. How do you reach his phone then? Guys, (laughs) (laughs) Catherine says, you know, now that the dust has settled, I was hoping maybe we could talk about what happened at the farmhouse. Can I see you? The dust has settled. No, it hasn't. It's been less than a day. Damon says, okay, uh, sure. Why don't you just come to the house and we'll talk about it here? And Catherine says, perfect. I'll see you soon. And he says, okay, bye. And then they hang up. And they're like, great. She's coming right to us. Our plans worked. Like, wow, we nailed it. I'm sorry. She's calling in to come in when your plan was to trick her into coming here. Do the math. Guys. And they do pretty quickly. We go over to the warehouse. Catherine says, Damon knows he tried to kill me less than 24 hours ago. There isn't a single vampire craving bone in his body that would risk putting his precious Elena back in that kind of danger again. Nadia says, and yet he's desperate to see her, just like her other friends. And Catherine says, they know. And then we go over to the dungeon, and Stefan says, wait, it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) She's dodged everyone's attempt to get her over here, and now she voluntarily wants to come over? And Damon says, unless she she was testing me. She knows. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, okay, she got us there. It is very much the energy of that one Friends episode where they're like, they don't know that we know that they know. They're all finding out that Monica and Chandler are dating. One of the funniest episodes of the show. I'm not a big Friends stan, but that episode is funny. It is incredible. We go over to France in 1720. Sure. Nadia's got a crazy little hairdo. It is up. It's clearly meant to be like kind of Marie Antoinette-esque, but she's walking through the countryside, so it doesn't make a ton of sense. Not to harp on the hair design. I get why they did it. They have to separate it from the 1500s somehow. Nadia walks up to a man who's sitting at a fire with a horse. She holds up a bag of coins and she says, money for information. He doesn't confirm that that's the deal they're making. He just stares at her. (laughs) She says, I was told you saw Katerina Petrova kill a man in cold blood outside the court of Versailles. 
very sly of her. She had places to be. Nadia says, I want to know if that's true. I want to know what kind of person my mother is. Are you sure you want to know? This man looks at her and says, Tu parles français? <laughs> <laughs> this man says, Oh, Katarina Petrova, she is. What is, the, what is the American word? How do you say bitch? Qu'est-ce que c'est bitch? Qu'est-ce que c'est evil bitch? Qu'est-ce que c'est a piece of merde? <laughs> is that shit or is that dead? I can never remember. It is shit. Nice. Then we go into a church. We're back in the modern day. Nadia says she's been on the run for 228 years. And Catherine says, hey, you passed out in the car. I didn't want to wake you. Nadia looks up. She realizes she's in a church. And she says, perfect. I can make my peace with the universe. And Catherine says, hey, don't talk like that. I brought you here so that I could hide you until Wes finds a way to heal you. Yeah, in a church? <laughs> yeah, on a hard wooden bench, where, by the way, her pillow is a bag. Yeah, her pillow is a bag and she has a blanket, but she's laying on a pew. And I don't know how many of y'all go to church. Those shits are not comfortable. I don't know why she couldn't take her to like a motel. Yeah. And the thing about a church, I know there are cushions around. There's a cushion in the confession booth. Clearly, you don't give a shit. Go take that one. And I mean, if we're really thinking ahead, what you should do, everyone in this episode should make more use of the fact that vampires need to be invited in places. Compel someone to let you guys in. So that Stefan can't just up and grab Nadia. Yeah. But God invites all his children into the house. Yeah. So church is bad. (laughs) Nadia says, you know, you should leave now while you can. There's no point in trying to save me. This is true. Yeah, this is a correct read on the situation. But Catherine says, look, I didn't raise you to be a quitter. And I promise as soon as you get better, we're leaving together. Well, Catherine, you didn't raise her, period. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. I didn't raise you to be a quitter. She didn't learn shit from you. And frankly, if she was a quitter, she wouldn't have found you and it probably would have worked out better for her. Yeah, someone should have raised her to be a quitter. She wouldn't be on her deathbed in a church right now. Because you know what a quitter does? They relax on the beach, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) They go hang out with their boyfriend and they do not go hunting for a woman who clearly doesn't want to be found. Then we go back over to the Salvatore house. Caroline and Stefan are catching up in the hallway outside of the dungeon. And Caroline says, well, now the further she gets, the worse our chances are of ever seeing Elena again. It's bad enough we didn't recognize Catherine. Now we just blew our only advantage. And Damon from the dungeon says, nothing a little locator spell can't fix. I love his voice from the dungeon. It's so goofy. (laughs) Stefan opens the door like, huh, that's thoughtful. So we go over to Whitmore. We see Liv. She is wearing a red leather jacket because she's alt like that. And she's getting coffee. And she spots Bonnie and Jeremy coming toward her. And she says, let me guess. Matter of life and death. And Bonnie says, kind of, yeah. Do you remember the locator spell we did the other night? And Liv says, yeah, sure. We ended up saving that guy. She looks at Jeremy. She says, you're welcome, by the way. She is already putting the float on with him. And I'm shipping. It doesn't take much for you with Jeremy. I will admit, at this point, I'm shipping Liv with Jeremy more than I am shipping Jeremy with Bonnie. But I'm shipping, like, a worm and dirt more than I'm shipping Jeremy and Bonnie, to be honest. Yeah, it it doesn't take much. It's a pretty low bar. I'm shipping John Gilbert and Isabel more than I'm shipping Jeremy and Bonnie. (laughs) Bonnie says, now we need you to find his sister. And Liv says, why? She ran away from home? Jeremy says, don't make it sound stupid. (laughs) Jeremy says, no, she was possessed by her evil doppelganger. And she's like, okay, that's a lot. (laughs) What? (laughs) 
I'm starting to think it's not a good idea to be your guys' witch. It seems like you have a lot of work for me to do. Yeah. Does this job pay? <laughs> Bonnie says, will you help us? And Liv says, I can be convinced. We don't know what by, but she looks at Jeremy appraisingly. Mm-hmm. So we go back to the dungeon in the Salvatore house. Tyler is on guard. This was a mistake. <laughs> there is nothing that anybody is doing that Tyler should be in charge of. Just absolutely nothing. I know everyone needs a break from patrolling Damon sometimes, but honestly, Matt would do better down here than Tyler would. Well, and the break is that someone gets to like tag team it with Tyler, but you should still both be there. He should not be doing this alone. Damon says, I need blood. And Tyler says, you just had your lunch 30 minutes ago. And Damon says, or you could give me a couple sips of that hybrid juice and I'll be on my way and I'll take up my Ripper situation with Wes. Tyler says, yeah, that's not going to happen. Damon says, can I ask you a question without you getting all Wolfman on me? Now, his intent is absolutely to get Tyler to get all Wolfman on him. Tyler says, do I have a choice? You always do, Tyler. Don't engage. That's your choice. Don't even say yes or no. Just sit there. Let him talk and do not react to anything. Play your little phone games. I don't care what he says, how it hurts you. Hang out. You just say, you know what, Damon? I'm going to watch YouTube. I won't be able to hear you. Say whatever you need to say, though. And then I'm turning on yeah, I'm turning on Mike's Mike's Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> Damon says, why are you still here? And Tyler says, I'm a hybrid and you need a babysitter. And Damon says, no, I mean here in Mystic Falls. Your family is all dead and I don't see you getting a job at the grill, but yet I don't see you in a Whitmore hoodie either. Something tells me there's a little masochistic voice inside your head trying to convince you that you and Caroline still have a fighting chance in hell. Tyler does attempt to disengage here. He says, I think you have enough problems without worrying about me. Now, and that's where the conversation ends, Tyler. Yeah. And Damon does amp it up because he knows what he has to say. He says, you know, you're probably right. There is one small difference between you and me. You want to hear it? Tyler says, not especially. Again, just don't respond. Put in your headphones. Let him talk. Watch him talk. Do not listen. Damon says, see, even after all the terrible things I do, Elena still chose me because she's fighting for me. Caroline, on the other hand, chose the nuclear option. You know, that big red button that nukes your entire relationship once and for all? Well, sleeping with the guy that killed your mom was kind of her way of slamming her hand down. And now this is obviously Tyler's biggest insecurity. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of ways that Tyler, if he were to engage with this, could shut Damon down. The biggest hole in Damon's logic is, well, Elena hasn't chosen you yet. You've done some things since the last time she chose you, so let's get that off our page. But all Tyler has to do right now is say, I'm sorry, I thought there was a prophecy in that Elena was going to end up with Stefan eventually anyway. How are you even in the mix still? All of a sudden, David's crying in a corner. Yeah, that prophecy will get him every fucking time. But he doesn't bring up the prophecy. Instead, Tyler Vampire runs and opens the door. And so at that point, it's pretty much over. I mean, big mistake. Why would you open the door? You can yell at him if you must engage. That's why there's a window in the cell. And this is the thing. Tyler hops on the one option. He says, you think Elena will still want you back after this? It's over, Damon. Fix yourself and run far away. But the problem with him choosing this option is it's not grounded in anything specific enough for him to actually cut deep with his words. Well, it also keeps them in the territory of who someone chooses to be with. which is the exact issue that he's poking out with Klaus. You want to move into completely different territory that he cannot throw back at you. Yeah, which again, doppelganger prophecy. 
Damon says, you know, I'd plan on it. By the way, how's New Orleans this time of year? So that keeps getting at him. And Tyler says, you know, you really think Elena's going to forgive you? Look at you. You killed her friend. You almost killed her brother. You nearly killed her. You're a joke, Damon. And Damon says, yeah, says the guy pining for the girl who slept with Klaus. The thing is, Tyler is not saying anything to Damon that Damon doesn't think about before he goes to sleep at night. Yeah, exactly. He's already gone through this. It doesn't hurt. Tyler is much weaker and it's way easier to get under Tyler's skin. It's also Damon feeds off the reaction Tyler's giving. That's the whole point of being crazy. Yeah. Tyler vampire runs straight up to Damon and says, you don't know anything about me. Damon says, I know how to get you in this cell. Yeah, you ran right up to his face. Are you a fucking idiot? Anger management will get you every time. Tyler pretty much realizes like, oh, I'm stupid. I fell for exactly what he wanted me to. But he can't run away. So what happens is they fight a little bit. Damon feeds on Tyler for a second. But he does knock Tyler out and toss him to the ground without decapitating him. So that's pretty nice. Growth. Good job, Damon. Handling his bloodlust as he do. Yes, but Damon does break out and leaves. Later, we see Tyler come to because Caroline comes downstairs and she says, hey, ready for a changing of the guard? Oh my God, Tyler, she realizes he's been knocked out and Damon is broken out. And Tyler says, oh, I'm okay. And Caroline says, he fed on you? Why would you come in here? <laughs> and Tyler says, why do you think? Damon knew exactly how to piss me off. That doesn't answer why you were dumb enough to let it make you come in the cell, idiot. Yeah, Damon knew how to piss you off. Okay, get past it. Why don't you put in headphones? Okay, ignore him. <laughs> and then Stefan comes in and he says, hey, what the hell happened? And Tyler says, I think Damon went to go find Wes. Stefan's like, no, I mean, how were you so stupid as to let him out? Yeah. Then we go over to Whitmore. Liv and Bonnie and Jeremy are sitting together doing a locator spell. Liv says, great, I've got Elena's necklace, a candle, a map. And then she says to Jeremy, give me your hand. You're Elena's brother, right? That makes you blood. So hand it over. And Bonnie says, um, actually, he's her cousin. It's a long story. Bonnie's already jealous. She's like, no, you're not touching his hand. She said, what are you two doing? Liv said, I'll do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, I'm alt. <laughs> Liv says, yeah, okay, close enough to blood, whatever. And she holds his hand and she like caresses it or something. Yeah, she's like playing with it. She's doing a thing. And Bonnie says, that's not how I taught you. And Liv says, relax, Mr. Miyagi. I'm feeling my way through it. And then she says, now what do I say? And Bonnie says, you know, Fesmatos, blah, 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 blah. Right as Bonnie's like finishing the spell, Liv starts it and she says it like Fesmatos. She says it really fast. <laughs> and nothing happens. Liv says to Jeremy, okay, does Elena look anything like you? And Jeremy says, same hair color. And Liv says, what about her eyes? Are they as pretty as yours? Bonnie's like, whore? <laughs> <laughs> Liv says, sorry, I'm searching for his sister slash cousin slash doppelganger in my mind. I'll take all the help I can get. Then Bonnie says, Fesmatos. <laughs> Liv repeats the spell. But then you can see that it works because, you know, something happens. Music plays. Yeah, a little musical sting. And Liv says, does your sister spend a lot of time in church? Then we go over to the church where Catherine is. Catherine's getting up to go. And Nadia says, you're leaving. And Catherine says, I'm going to check on Wes. He's taking too long. Nadia says, be careful. They're all out looking for you. And Catherine says, that's never stopped me before. And she goes. Then we go over to the lab slash abandoned warehouse. Wes has a syringe in his hand and he's like, he, 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 he. he's like humming. He's very excited. He's not humming, but he might as well be. Yeah. He has a little case for his syringe. And so he like puts the syringe in the case. He turns and like writes some stuff down, grabs some stuff. But then he hears some clattering. Another case where he should have been doing this in a place where a vampire needed to be invited into. 
Yes. Why are you doing this in an abandoned warehouse? Again, do you not have a, a house or an apartment? Yes, because as we said many times, Whitmore House was their second home. Where is Wes's first home? Yeah. <laughs> and did he get kicked out of his home because the Whitmore Trust went through? Like, because Augustine got cut, was that where he was getting all of his funding? So he's not allowed to live at Whitmore anymore? I find that hard to believe. He's just really big on work-life balance. He's like, well, I can't work in the same place where I, where I sleep and live. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's just not good for my mental health. <laughs> and also, that's the other thing. You just got these travelers to, like, help you. You should have, like, security detail. Yeah, there are a bunch of them. Just keep a couple there. He looks at his phone and he tries to make a call. Damon appears out of nowhere, grabs the phone and crushes it and says, what's up, Doc? Slade that. Being funny. Wes says, how'd you find me? Damon says, I called my friend Enzo and asked about the little adventure he had with you. Gotta say, you're a long way off the tenure track, huh? I take it the Augustine Society hit a bit of a rough streak. Wes says, there is no Augustine Society, Damon. It's just me. Which Damon knows because he killed all of them. Yeah. Damon says, well, then I guess you're my guy. Because, see, I have this long road ahead of me to win my ex-girlfriend back. But I don't have a chance in hell if I'm lusting over her blood. You follow? And Wes says, you know, even if I did cure you of this virus, what difference does it make? So you start feeding on your friends and you go back to feeding on innocent people. Is that really going to impress Elena Gilbert? Relatively, yeah. It was fine with her before. Yeah, she was totally on board with it earlier. Well, he's still killing innocent people while he's doing this. I don't know if he thinks like Damon has killed all his friends already or something. Yeah, I don't know what he thinks Damon's up to. Wes fiddles with his syringe, which we know now he was probably going to try to inject Damon with. And Damon grabs Wes's collar and the syringe in the case goes flying. But we don't follow the syringe quite yet. Mm -hmm. Damon says, look at me. You did this to me. And he shows him his veins. And Wes says, I didn't do this to you. You are this. I simply held up the mirror. That's just not true. You did do this. You did do it. You put a syringe into him. You, you know you did it. What do you mean you held up the mirror? Like, he wasn't a perfect person before, but you did make him worse. This specifically you did do. He is too confident with himself. I mean, at this point, he has to know he's going to die. But he's, like, acting like he's still got one over on him, which he, like, I guess, kind of did. But he's yeah. just a little too cocky for my taste. I agree. But then Damon really shows Wes who's boss. He reaches into his chest cavity which Damon does this all the time, but he doesn't usually do it on someone who can't heal. Yeah. <laughs> and he then like lifts him up by his chest cavity and tosses him on the table. Owie. He doesn't die immediately, though. And Damon says, now it's my turn to play doctor. And then he grabs a scalpel and goes for Wes's eye and cuts it. Fair enough. Let this be a lesson. Like, you can't torture people and expect it never to bite you in the butt. Yeah. Let's just all be aware of what we're doing to people. It really is... Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's so true. And the sad part about this, though, is Enzo didn't get to kill him. Enzo didn't get to kill any of these people. He got to be there for Diane Freeman, but I guess, did he technically snap Diane's neck? I think it was Enzo, actually. He got Diane. He got Diane. He didn't even get one of the Whitmores. Yeah. Oh, I'd be pissed. <laughs> he just hated to see a woman in charge. Yeah, he was a misogynist. <laughs> we go over to the church. Nadia is breathing heavily doing worse, and waving her hands around, which flashes her back to her waving her hands around in Prague with Matt. <laughs> She's in bed with Matt, and then we hear the shower turn on. So we know they didn't pay Claire Holt to come for this episode. <laughs> Nadia says, that was fun. And Matt says, you think? 
What do you mean you think? He's so stupid. Nadia says, you must really trust Rebecca. And he says, huh? She says, watch this. She compels him and she says, I'm going to steal her earrings and you're not going to say anything. She takes the earrings. She says, see, you're hanging out with an original vampire and you're not even on Vervain. Trust. Matt says, you know, she's an original. At this point, Matt, say, Rebecca. Yeah. Call out for her. Yeah. Make your hand into a fist and then say, Rebecca. And he should have still been on Vervain. Even if he trusts Rebecca, Rebecca should also want him on Vervain so other people can't compel him either. Exactly. Matt says, you know, she's an original. And Nadia says, yeah, I recognized her on the dance floor. I was hoping she'd know something about her brother Klaus's favorite vampire, Catherine Pierce. Maybe you heard of her? And this is so funny because Nadia was looking for Catherine like this whole time. And she got to Klaus, who they've been doing their own thing. (laughs) It took her a long time to get to Catherine, which I know is because it's season five and they needed, you know, a plot point yeah but it's like nadia man how bad were you looking for her jesus and she says oh maybe you've heard of her and matt says yeah i've heard of Catherine pierce i know her quite well why do you care he said i know her way too well nadia says because she is my mother and i'd very much like to meet her so this is so funny that matt fucking knew about this but obviously (laughs) he didn't because he got compelled away i know for matt and then she compels him again she says i'm gonna take your ring and she takes his ring And she says, now I have a reason to see you again. And then Nadia comes to in the present day in the church and she sees someone whoosh by. We don't know who right away. But Catherine wouldn't whoosh. Then we go back over to the lab slash warehouse. Catherine arrives and she says, Wes, what the hell is taking so long? But she's too late because she sees Wes's body on the table. I think we can pretty conclusively say that he's dead. Yeah, I mean, there's blood all down his chest. He's laying there pretty still. Yeah. It was his time. I mean, he lived longer than anyone expected. That is so true. She says, no, please, no. And she starts to cry a little bit. And then she gets a call from Nadia. And she answers it. And she says, Nadia, I'm coming back to the church right now. And Stefan says, she's not at the church anymore. She's with me at home. And Catherine knows this isn't going to work, but she has to try it. She puts on an Elena voice. And she says, Stefan, (laughs) why do you have Nadia's phone? Like, she has to do it. I can't hold it against her. And, you know, Stefan doesn't even dignify that. Stefan says she doesn't have much time left, Catherine. And Catherine says, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and Stefan says, I know it's you and I know you care about Nadia. That's why I brought her here. Yeah, he's like, can we stop? Can we just get move on? He's like, we both know that didn't work. Let me get my thesis out. Let's just keep some forward motion in this conversation. <laughs> and Catherine says, OK, fine. Prove it. Put her on the phone. He holds the phone to Nadia who is just breathing heavily. <laughs> and it's like, okay, girl, say something. And she says, Catherine, run. And Stefan takes the phone and says, you can't always run, Catherine. You know, it is what you do best. Or you can come home and see your daughter one last time before she dies. It's your choice. He hangs up and Catherine cries. All hope seems to be gone for Catherine at this point, but we'll, we'll revisit that scene later. Yeah, because it is very much like, well, you know, Catherine should probably run. Mm-hmm. We go over to the Salvatore house. Nadia is looking bad. She's on the couch. She is looking emaciated. It is taking it out of her. Yeah. Matt comes in. He says, hey, and he gives her a pillow. Nice of him. First one all day. The one person in town to bring her a pillow. (laughs) He holds her hand and he says, your hands are like ice. And she says, Gregor. And he says, no, it's Matt. He says, nope. (laughs) She says, Gregor. 
I'm sorry I betrayed you. I did it for my mom. I did everything for her. And Matt says, okay, well, I'll just play along. What else can I do here? So he says, I know you did. And she says, forgive me. And he says, yes, I forgive you. He says, sure. He says, why not? (laughs) And when he says, yes, I forgive you, it's funny because he doesn't really do an accent, but he kind of does. He kind of does. I was thinking that, that I was like, is he trying to do his accent again? He kind of does a Gregor accent, which he's famously bad at. He tried very much, I think, to do a Gregor accent, but in like a Schrodinger's accent. Like, if you think I did an accent, you'll catch it. But if you didn't, you just think you heard it weird. Yeah, it's a weird line. I can't tell if he's doing the accent or not. And Matt says, shh, it's okay. And she says, I don't want to die. And then the whole crew comes in. Everybody's in. Tyler, Caroline, Stefan, Bonnie, Jeremy. It's a full house. Bonnie sits with Nadia. And Nadia says, what's going to happen when I die? And Bonnie says, well, I'll take your hand and you'll go to the other side. Just like that. And Nadia says, will it hurt? Bonnie says, it'll hurt me. Yeah. She said, not you. Bonnie says, you won't feel any pain. And then Catherine comes in. You can tell Catherine knows the jig is up because she's wearing a see-through lace shirt. She's not even bothering to pretend to dress like Elena. She said, I'm not changing for this. (laughs) She says, I'm here to see my daughter. Everyone lets her go right up to Nadia and she sits with her at her side. But everyone's watching her like a hawk as they should. Exactly. Catherine says, Nadia. And Nadia says, you came back for me. Catherine says, I won't leave you again. Yeah, it'll only be five minutes, so. I mean, you might as well stay. (laughs) Nadia says, hey, did you find a way to save me? And Catherine says, Klaus's blood would have saved you if I'd asked for it. And Nadia says, you would have outed yourself. And Catherine says, yeah, but you would have been alive. And now it's too late. Again, she wouldn't have been alive. Again, he would have never given you this blood. Even if you asked for it. Well, also, she knew she was outed this morning. If that was really the issue, she would have called Klaus. Exactly. Nadia gasps and she starts to go delirious again. She says, my mother's name is Catherine. I'm looking for her. And then Catherine says, you found me, Nadia. I'm right here. And then Nadia says, she's a liar and a murderer. Catherine's like, hey. Catherine said, okay. (laughs) Nadia says, she manipulates. She betrays. She'll do anything to survive. And Catherine says, don't do this in front of all these people who hate me. Catherine said, I mean, that does sound like me. (laughs) Catherine says, no, Nadia, I'm right here. Look at me. I'm right here. And Nadia says, I'm looking for my mother. It's sad. It's sad if you give a fuck about Nadia, which I don't. (laughs) I don't particularly, but I, I have my little bits of emotion in this. And then I'm like, oh, it's Nadia. Yeah, it's Nadia. I mean, Olga Fonda is doing her darndest. This is just not a character I care about, but Nina Dobrev, again, earning the Emmy that is being withheld from her. Yeah. Well, and anytime someone's dying of a werewolf fight, it's a specific type of acting they do where it's very much like (laughs) on the deathbed. And it's like, okay. It's like little Victorian child. And we've seen it enough times now that it's less affecting and more funny. Well, especially because this is probably the person who we've seen it happen to who we care the least about. Yeah. Like even when it was happening to Rose, we were watching it affect Damon. And it was the first person who had it. Yeah. And when it was happening to Damon, we obviously didn't want Damon to die. But with this, it's like, okay, can you just stop coughing? Like, suck it up. At this point, it does kind of seem like we've gotten what we're going to get from Nadia. Let's be honest. Yeah. It's like, okay, can we move this along? Like the other side's waiting for you at this point. Wrap it up, girl. (laughs) Catherine says, you know, this is not what your life should have been. 500 years searching for a mother who ended up being me. 
Nadia made that call. This is the most emotion we see from Catherine, and it does read as genuine to me. Yeah. I think it's also Catherine knows, like, time's up. Her goose is cooked. Everybody knows it's her. She knows this is the end for her, so she might as well come and be emotional and help her daughter be sent off well. And at this point, too, she's, you know, we find out later, injected herself with this virus. It's in her best interest to get out of this body. She's already won at chess. She's in the middle of the game right now. She knows she has checkmate waiting. So she's just kind of making her little moves. I don't know enough about chess to give you a move example, but you get it. And at this point, you know, she's under the impression that she's what going to the other side. She can still bug people from the other side, namely Bonnie. This is also a situation I think of like, I don't think she like felt that close to Nadia or really cared that much about Nadia because she kind of thought Nadia was always going to be there. Yeah. And now it's, I think, dawning on her like, oh, oops, spent her entire life looking for me. I kind of didn't give a shit. And now she's dying because of me. Yeah, I do think you're right that she always thought Nadia was going to be a constant. And in a way, like Nadia is her only connection left. Actually, her only connection, because the only connection she had to like the girl she was before her transition before was Elijah. And even that has been tainted by their history. But like Nadia is her connection to her mother who she loved more than anyone. She's the only one left on the planet who believes Catherine like can be redeemed. Yeah. Everyone else has given up on at this point and fairly so. Yes, they have good reason to. And to be honest, even Nadia should have given up on her at this point. Oh yeah. But Nadia hasn't. But Catherine decides to, you know, do what most people do for their friends dying of werewolf bites and give them like a peaceful memory to depart on. Catherine says, let me show you what your life should have been what your perfect day would have been like. Catherine narrates and we see it. She says, you and I had a little cottage. It was an ordinary summer day. You'd been playing outside. So you were tired and it was time for bed. You told me about the fort you built out in the woods by the river. So I asked if I could visit and you said when the sun came up in the morning. And I said, good night, Nadia. Sleep well. And then Nadia looks at her and desiccates and we see like the gray veins work her way up their body this is actually the first time we've seen someone completely succumb to a werewolf bite because when rose died damon staked her that's true that's true Catherine says your mother loves you and she cries and nadia dead is watching this as she's ready to go to the other side she's standing in the other corner of the room and she's like looking at Catherine as Catherine's with her and she smiles because she's like my mother did love me after all of this Yeah. I got to be with my mother and my mother loved me. She's like, I went through my whole life to hunt her down. I found her. I got to have a relationship with her and she loved me at the end of the day. Interesting read on the situation, but that's the read she has. But that's Nadia. (laughs) Yeah. Bonnie goes to Nadia. Nadia takes her hand and passes through to the other side. Bonnie groans a little bit. You can see she doesn't really want to make a ton of noise because it's kind of awkward because it's so quiet. But she's like, ah! Catherine, you know, closes Nadia's eyes for her and covers her with a blanket. And then she turns to the group and she says, so this is it. Yeah, she's like, okay, time to give my little speech. She makes one final attempt to vampire run for the door, which you cannot blame her. Yeah, I mean, why not? But of course, Damon is outside to block her. And he says, hello, Catherine. You didn't think I'd miss this, did you? And so Catherine decides she's going to give a monologue. They play some song in the background that might as well be Ho Hey by the Lumineers. 
very interesting interesting soundtrack to this but i'm feeling it i don't know something about the vibe is good to me it's working no it's working for sure <laughs> Catherine says okay so who's got the knife which one of you is going to get to kill the elusive Catherine pierce once and for all and grace made me guess as we were watching and i was correct you did go back and forth though you knew it was going to be stefan or damon but you went stefan no damon no stefan yeah, I landed on the correct one is the important part. That's what's important. <laughs> and I mean, even Catherine, I think, knows that it's going to be Stefan or Damon and likely will probably be Stefan after the passenger chapter. You know, she's doing her little rounds. She knows it's between the two of them. And she's pretty sure Stefan won that one. It would be absolutely hysterical, though, if it was like Tyler who got the knife and she couldn't do the rest of her speech. <laughs> she says, what? Suddenly everyone's speechless. When I was on my deathbed, you all had plenty to say. Yeah, girl, they thought you were dying. They said it all already. They're like, yeah, we already said it. Like, we don't need to reminisce on those memories again. They weren't good ones. <laughs> so she says to her rounds, she says, is it you, Tyler? Because I triggered the werewolf curse, gave you an identity and made you matter. She kind of ate him up there. I got to give it to her. Tyler says, you've done nothing for me. And Catherine says, oh, please, Tyler, if I hadn't walked into your life, you'd just be a wasted nobody with a boozy mom and a temper problem. Perhaps. Listen, <laughs> when she's right, she's right. I mean, she said it, not me. <laughs> yeah. He proves he has a temper problem by almost like fighting her. And Caroline pulls him back. She says, hey, don't do that. She's like, that is literally not with your energy. <laughs> and then Catherine turns to Caroline and says, and you. I'm not worried about you offing me because we both know I made you better by making you a vampire. Now, Caroline doesn't respond to that because it's true. Yeah, because these two, are, they've kind of had their friendly time. So Caroline's like, hey, no hate to you. No hurt feelings. I got a root for you to die. But you did take over my best friend's body. <laughs> so Caroline says, goodbye, Catherine. And Catherine says, bye-bye, Caroline. Then she goes over to Matt and she says, oh, I am the one girl here who actually appreciates how beautiful you are. She says, you wouldn't stab me in the heart, would you, Maddie Blue? No, I don't think so. She says, you will definitely go down as the best night I never had. Oh, well. And Matt says, oh, well. Matt's like, okay, move on to the next one. Yeah, he said. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> she goes to Jeremy. She says, well, little Gilbert, it was nice to have a brother for a second there when you weren't being so damn annoying. He's like, we barely hung out, and also you killed me. Yeah, Jeremy's like, you don't need to give a speech to me. Yeah. Catherine turns to Bonnie and says, oh, Bon Bon, no need for goodbyes. I'll see you on the flip side. And Bonnie's like, yep, <laughs> you sure will. Then she goes to Damon and she says, Damon, oh, how you would love nothing more than to drive that blade right through me. And Damon, in a show of great maturity, says, we've already done this, kitty cat. I've said all I needed to say. Because he has said all he needed to say. He had his time. He used that day on her deathbed wisely. Yeah. She says, I know, but I never got to say what I needed to say to you. I'm sorry. And Damon's not buying this. He says, okay. He's like, just get to the fucking point of it. Yeah, just get to the bitchy comment. She says, I'm sorry. You blamed me for who you are. And I'm sorry that I turned you. I'm sorry that you didn't get to die as a forgotten nobody on a bloody battlefield. And that your father didn't get to live another day to be disgraced by you. Damon, I'm sorry that I gave your life purpose, passion, drive, desire. I'm sorry that you are who you are because I'm the one that taught you how to love. Now she ate him up here. She's right. 
Because at the end of the day, Damon would not be who he was if he had not loved Catherine that long. He only grew because he learned from that love into his new love. That's true. Now, however, did she traumatize him with the love? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is she a big reason why he has major issues in a relationship? Absolutely. But one could argue that the other issue in the relationship is that he dated a girl who looked exactly like her. That's not on Catherine. I mean... He needs to face this, that he spent all this time being like, Catherine's the reason I don't know how to handle myself. And it's like, yes, it's her fault if you go back to it. But at a certain point, you have to choose to be different than that. And also, that's all true. Like, yes, Catherine is the reason you are the way that you are. But she did give your life purpose. Without Catherine, you would have died a Confederate soldier with daddy issues. Yeah. And now you're a super hot vampire with daddy issues. (laughs) But at least your dad's dead. Yeah. (laughs) Stefan says, you're welcome. I think it's a big time of growth for Damon. Yeah. And I think Catherine dying helps push him in that of like, she made you the way that you are. That doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing unless you let it be a bad thing. And he does seem to finally let it go in a scene later. But then also just in his response to the speech, he just says, see you in hell, Catherine. Then she turns to Stefan and she says, Stefan. You know, I always wondered what it would be like to be loved by you. And he says, keep wondering, bitch. (laughs) He says, you'll never know. (laughs) She says, you've got to admit, for that one fleeting moment, your feelings were real. Not for you. Well, you could also argue which fleeting moment she's talking about. In 1864, certainly. When they hooked up a couple weeks ago, I don't think you could make an argument. In the motel, again, not Catherine in his mind. I do think there have been fleeting moments throughout his life that he has had love for Catherine. I don't think it's ever gotten near his love for Elena or ever being the amount of love that Catherine wanted. But I do think he has more love in his heart for Catherine than he has admitted and come to terms with. I disagree. I think the only time in his life that he loved Catherine was before he was turned. I think every time after he's been turned, he didn't love her. He may have like appreciated her, respected her, understood her, liked her, lusted for her. But the love chapter was closed after he turned. I do think like full love. Yes. I think there have been moments where he's like had feelings for her that were like positive that were not necessarily love. Yes. But were bits that were kind of remnants of that love is more accurate. Compassion. Yes, exactly. Reverence even. Yeah. But he has never been in love with her. Mm -hmm. And even when he loved her when he was a human, Again, we have to say he was 17. (laughs) And he didn't have the full picture, the full information. He may not have been compelled, but he definitely was manipulated. Yeah, he definitely was manipulated by her. Whereas I do think Damon had more of the full picture of Catherine. Ironically, Catherine showed more of herself to Damon and Damon was more in love with Catherine because of it. But Catherine knew that if she showed her full self to Stefan, he wouldn't love her. So she was willing to take the baseline love. She says... This truly has been the role of a lifetime. (laughs) Playing Elena. I love that line. I know. She says, Stefan, I love you. I've always loved you. She kisses him. And for a second, he almost kisses her. And then he stabs her. And you know what? I'm glad he let her kiss him as she died. Let her be happy. And if he said, you can have these luscious lips one more time. (laughs) I'm not a monster. And she says, well, I guess this is how our love story ends. And Stefan says, not a love story. I am not at all sad that I'm the one who just stabbed you. Yeah. And you don't seem to be reading that at all. Yeah. 
but you know, again, and this is growth for Stefan too, that he doesn't have to like explain his emotions to her. He doesn't have to try to be defensive of his emotions. He doesn't have to say anything. Stabs her and lets her die. Catherine falls to the ground. She tries to run, but instead she falls next to Nadia's body and she pulls the blanket as she falls down. So we get a very mother and child. Very Madonna and child. They all watch her, you know, sit down and die. She blinks. Her eyes are black. She blinks again. And then, you know, she like appears to die. She like falls asleep. Then we go a little bit later. Matt is sitting with Nadia's, you know, dead body looking at her. And Jeremy comes in and says, Stefan says we should bury her in the woods. And Matt says, screw that. She deserves better. The Matt picks up her body. Where exactly are you going to take her that isn't the woods? What's much better than the woods? Why is the woods so bad? Cemetery plots aren't cheap. And also, he's taking a blanket with her. <laughs> he's leaving the blanket behind. It's a nice blanket. <laughs> Jeremy says, you need some help? And Matt says, no, I got this. He leaves with Nadia's body. Upstairs. Damon and Stefan are sitting with Elena's unconscious body. And Damon says, why is she not waking up? Stefan says, you know, when Gregor left Matt's body, it took him a while to wake up too, which gives us a little bit of time to talk about what the hell you did. And Damon says, relax. Thanks to Tyler's friendly donation, I'll be fine for a couple hours. And Stefan says, okay, a couple hours? Then what? What's the plan? And Damon says, my plan is to tell Elena everything I did. And let the chips crash and burn where they may. I mean, you might as well. She's going to hear about it. Stefan says, optimistic. And Damon says, you know, I don't want to be another Catherine Pierce. Catherine spent her whole life running from her problems only to die here, all alone. Growth from him. It really does get you to see your nemesis die and be like, huh, after all that, they're dead? Yeah, and he took like the right lesson from Catherine dying. You know, and earlier in the series, Damon would say, I won! Yeah. <laughs> be like, I got her. But instead, he's like, I don't want to be like that. It's like, I don't want to have to rub things in your face as I'm dying. Yeah, so that I can die alone. What's winning if you don't have, if you don't have anyone to share it with? Might as well be vulnerable and hopefully let love in. Amen. Outside, Caroline sits with Tyler. They're catching up. Caroline says, is it wrong that I feel, and Tyler says, victorious? And Caroline says, no, sad. She's like, no, obviously you all feel victorious. Why would I feel guilty about that? Yeah. And Caroline says, look, I know Catherine is a horrible person, but, and Tyler says, but you see the good in people. And Caroline says, you mean Klaus. You mean because I saw the good in Klaus. She says, so you want to fucking talk about this while I'm being nice and open about my feelings with you? And he says, yes, I do. Tyler says, your words, not mine. As if it's like so horrible that she saw the good in Klaus. Yeah. Caroline says, okay, your hybrid bite just killed someone and no one even batted an eye. I sleep with the wrong guy weeks ago and I don't hear the end of it. How is that fair? That's a great point. That's a great point. I do think, as Tyler said last week, like, you can't expect him to get over it this fast. But also, I think she hits on the real heart of the matter here, which is like, no one gives a fuck about anyone else's bad decisions. You can't expect him to get over it and, like, want to be with you. But you also can't throw it in her face every time she talks to you. And especially like when you're not facing your own shit. Mm -hmm. You have no issue taking big steps if you feel you need to. But whenever Caroline does something that you don't like, suddenly it's the worst thing ever. And I understand Klaus is bigger than just that. Yeah. But it is like just not fair to her. Yes. And I will say Caroline did bring up Klaus this time. But if she didn't bring him up, Tyler would have brought him up in about 30 seconds. He can't help it. 
Oh, easily. He still wants to make her feel bad about this. And, you know, she's talking about it like she feels bad, but it's like, you know what? I did this. It happened. I can't change it. I wish you didn't have to know about it, but whatever. It was a choice I made. And he really had no issue at all biting someone and letting them die. He felt nothing about that all day long. Well, he doesn't know Nadia. Yeah. Like, I don't think he should have felt something about that. But then he expects Caroline to have like all this deep, deep remorse. Mm -hmm. Well, he has like none of it. It's just expecting so much more from her than he's willing to give. And if she's that much better than you, then why aren't you growing? Well, and he admits, you know, the real heart of the issue, which is, I don't know, Caroline, maybe people just expect more from you. Because that's what the thing is, is that he had an expectation of Caroline that wasn't fair, Mm -hmm. but he didn't realize it was unrealistic until now. And so now he is being forced to reckon with the fact that he maybe didn't know her the way that he thought he did Mm -hmm. or that he can't accept her as much as he thought he could. He doesn't love her as unconditionally as he's been saying he did. Yeah. And she says, oh, why? Because being good comes so easy to me. Guess what, Tyler? It doesn't. I'm a vampire. I have the same impulses as you. So I'm allowed to make some mistakes along the way. Yes, I slept with Klaus. But after you walked away from me, That was my choice and I am living with it and I don't need to be hearing about it every five seconds. So get over it or get out of my life. I'm done feeling guilty. I'm like, this is the point. This is the point is that, yes, she acts better and handles herself better and makes fewer mistakes than all of you. That's not because she's like less capable of making mistakes. It's because she's doing the hard work and facing her feelings all the time. Mm -hmm. Because she does have the same impulses as him. And the thing is, is like, I agree with Tyler that Caroline cannot expect him to get over this at all. But I don't think that's what Caroline's expecting him to do. Because Caroline's very right here that she says, you get over it, that's fine. If not, just get out of my life. You don't get to be in my life and hold this over me. Pick one. Yeah. Get over it, get out. If this has hurt you so bad that you can never have a conversation with me without bringing it up, then I don't want to have a conversation with you ever again. Like, you kind of need to suck it up. So- She ate him alive here. She deserved it. He needed to hear this. Slay Caroline as she do. We go back over to the church. Bonnie is picking up the bag that was Nadia's pillow once. She goes to the candles. You know, it's like it's a cross and candles. I know there's a name for this setup, but I don't know what it is. Where you light a candle for someone with the incense. She lights a candle and says, this is for you, dad. I want you to know how much I miss you. And it's like, oh, we're still on that. (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) From behind her, Catherine laughs and says, you got to be kidding, right? Something tells me I'm about five centuries delayed on the whole believing in a higher power thing. Give it time. Yeah. (laughs) You might change your tune. Exactly. (laughs) Bonnie says, well, you're here. That means it worked. You're dead. Catherine says, true. Then again, your friends didn't really give me much of a choice in the matter. Using my only daughter against me? Hush. No husher than anything else you've done. (laughs) Yeah, no harsher than taking over Elena's body on your deathbed. Yeah, it seems like a fair reaction. (laughs) Yeah. Catherine says, I suppose I could have spent the next 500 years running, but for what? My daughter was dying. Stefan would never love me. I was back to having nothing, and Elena wins again. And Bonnie says, okay, let's get this over with, and she goes to touch her. Yeah, Bonnie's like, okay, no more speeches. (laughs) But Catherine backs away and says, you know, I'm really starting to get sick of Elena getting everything I want. And Bonnie says, well, what is that supposed to mean? And Catherine says, I am so glad you asked. Catherine says, I'm I'm glad you're teeing me up. That's very nice of you. She says, Wes, 
had no intention of helping Nadia. Fair enough, he hates vampires. We know this about him. Then we flash back to a little earlier in the lab, right after Catherine gets off the phone with Stefan, where Stefan was basically like, you can run or come see your daughter die, your choice. And she cried. She breaks some stuff in the lab. She's all angry. And then she finds Wes's trusty tape recorder. And she plays it. He says on the tape recorder, he says, it's a good day. I have managed to extract the werewolf venom from Nadia Petrova's blood. The addition of the venom will make the Ripper virus even more lethal to vampires. While Catherine is hearing this, she spots a syringe full of like an orangey liquid on the ground. And we know that's kind of the color of werewolf venom. Mm-hmm. And also he doesn't have a ton of other syringes in the office. So she thinks that's her, that's her syringe. Catherine narrates as she's in the lab to Bonnie. She says, Wes was just using her as a case study in his project to wipe out vampires off the face of the earth. And Bonnie says, why are you telling me this? And then in the Salvatore house, we see Elena start to wake up. Stefan and Damon are with her. And they're like, oh my God, Elena. And it's like, ooh, maybe that's not so good that she's not chained up. (laughs) Then we go back over to the church and Catherine says, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Elena had the life I always wanted. Well, until now. She's like, emphasis on had. And Bonnie says, what did you do? And Catherine says, you know, Stefan thought he gave me a choice, run or die. But that's not really much of a choice, is it? This is always the lesson. Catherine will find another option. No matter what, she will cause drama. Usually her other option does include her living. She respected that this time that one wasn't in the cards. Yeah. But she said, you know what? I'm going to get over that and I'm going to pull something else together. Yeah. I can feel sorry for myself on the other side. Like, I'm going to pivot. We see Catherine in the lab with the syringe and we hear her narrate. She says, after all, Nadia was the only person in this world who really loved me. And I wasn't about to let my daughter die alone. But Catherine Pierce wasn't about to go gentle either. And in the lab, we see Catherine inject herself with that syringe. And you know what? Slay of her. This was a great move. What a way to get one over on Elena from the grave. It's kind of the only way she can get one over on any of these people is to mess with this body that is going back to Elena. If she hadn't come up with this, she would have just cut all her hair off, which don't get me wrong, would have been effective in a different way. But this is a whole nother level. Exactly. At the Salvatore house, Elena wakes up. She says, hi. And Damon says, are you you? And she says, yeah, it's only been a couple hours, right? You guys figured it out pretty quick. And you had the knife, right? Right? She says, yeah, it's me. I'm here. But then she feels something in her pocket. She takes it out. And it is the empty syringe. Damon sees it and immediately his face falls. He doesn't know exactly what was in that syringe, but he's pretty sure. He can see it came from Wes's office. So he figures like best case scenario, it's like pneumonia. Yeah. <laughs> but he assumes it's probably, at the very least, the Ripper virus. Yeah, I'm sure he's assuming that. Catherine narrates and she says, I left Elena with a little bit of a parting gift. And then we go back to the church and Catherine says, if I can't have Stefan, no one can. Which is so funny. Elena does not want him. <laughs> she doesn't want Stefan. You should have done this to Caroline. <laughs> And then Catherine, she's finished her speech. She knows she ate. So she says, okay, now I'm ready. And she touches Bonnie's shoulders. But nothing happens. She doesn't pass through. Catherine says, nothing's happening. What's wrong? And Bonnie says, I don't know. This has literally never happened before. (laughs) Bonnie's like, everyone else has just gone through. Catherine says, Bonnie, what are you doing? 
let me pass through. Why won't you let me pass through? And Bonnie says, I don't know. I can't control it. It's not up to me. Bonnie's like, I don't want more time with you. Like, I would love for you to pass through. (laughs) Catherine says, then who is it up to? Wind starts blowing. Catherine is pulled away. She says, Bonnie. And Bonnie says, I can't help you, Catherine. Because Bonnie's like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Yeah. And Catherine's like on the ground of the church, on the floor of the church. And she gets pulled away fast, like a demon in like one of those scary movies. And she gets pulled like away and up into the air. Yeah. As Bonnie watches and then the wind stops. And that's the end of the episode. So the first question we have to ask is, Mm -hmm. number one, is Catherine dead for good? And number two, where did she just go? Okay. Yes, dead for good. Yes. Because, you know, it's just her time. There are two options here. I I mean, obviously, there are two options here. Heaven and hell. (laughs) There's more options than heaven and hell. There are more options. But I think we're treating this, the options, as peace and, you know, the opposite version of peace, which for all intents and purposes, I'll call hell. Yeah. I think there are a couple reasons why she may have gone to hell. I'll do the hell arguments and then the peace arguments. Sure. One, the whole way she lived her life. I mean, it's pretty hell worthy if you ask me. Two, she's in a church. We've never seen someone be in a church at the end of this before. That's a good point. And also she actively was in church saying, fuck a higher power. Yeah. (laughs) So that might have just pissed somebody off. Yeah. So that is kind of the thought process for hell. And the fact is it looked like a demon, but she did go up. Okay. Now here's what I'll say about peace. I recognize that this does not look like a peaceful way to go. Yeah, I was going to say, it certainly doesn't look like peace. I I respect that. But Catherine, in her final moments, she got to kiss Stefan and get one over on Elena. Sounds like a pretty peaceful end to her life in the scheme of what she likes. Well, I mean, we don't really know exactly what the qualifications for going to peace are. Because here's who we know who found peace. Jenna. Anna and Pearl, probably. Anna and Pearl. Yeah, we haven't seen them in a while. I think that's it. But we also have never seen someone go to hell before. That being said, we've never seen someone quite as evil as Catherine. Yeah, we've never seen a villain of that stature die. Well, we've seen like Silas die, but we know he went to the other side. He didn't go straight to hell. We haven't seen any of our big villains die yet while Bonnie's been the anchor. Yeah. So if that happened to Silas, we don't know about it. That's a good point. But I mean, the thing about heaven and hell is it opens an interesting can of worms which is religion yeah do you think the vampire diaries is going to open the religion can of worms do you think we're gonna meet god or the devil i mean no but why not just because i think that's a lot to get into well we know the vampire diaries books have a creature that is angels oh i didn't know about that oh well that's something we know about the vampire books. Yeah. i mean here's my thought about i do think there's a potential, like my answer is not fully no to all of this. My answer is no, they're not meeting God. Okay. Because who would they pick for God? That's just, I don't think Julie Pleck is interested in making that call. But I do think there is a potential to use the aesthetics of the church and the general lore of the church in an interesting way. Sure thing. But you don't think they're going to meet God or the devil? I think they could meet devil adjacent things like demons or like angels. But I don't think they're meeting one singular Satan or God. And I do think the way that a show like The Vampire Diaries is situated, they're on the CW. They're sexy. It's about vampires. 
the religious zealots have have tuned off already. They're not paying attention. They already hate it. It's already blasphemy. Yeah, it's already blasphemy. If you play with the religion, whatever, you're not going to be more of a heretic. So I think they can get away with a little bit of that. I don't. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to meet God, but I think they could play with this demon direction also because I already said passengers are very similar to demon possession in a way. Exactly. And you know, what if God was one of us? That's true. What's the relation heaven held the other side? How do they all work together? And why up until this point, have we really only see people go to like heaven and the other side? Like, do you think there's like a number of people you have to kill to get to hell? See, I think the hell thing is harder to buy because like so many people go to the other side Mm -hmm. and how you classify the other side versus hell. And I think there's a potential too that the other side is a form of hell as well because like can't go anywhere. You can't talk to anyone. You're just kind of wandering through the world unseen. So maybe there is no hell. Maybe it's just peace in the other side. And especially for supernatural creatures, like I think there's a different set of rules, even if there were, say, a god. (laughs) You're allowed to kill more people if you're a vampire. Yeah, because you have to eat. (laughs) You get a higher allowance. I think God understands that. First of all, I'm not even going to touch whether or not there's a god in this system because... The can of worms we don't need to open on the Vampire Diaries. (laughs) We don't need to get into that. But I think there's more of a kind of organizing system. Nature. Yeah, nature than a god. I mean, it could be too. Here's the option. Mm -hmm. We didn't see what happened to Gregor on the other side post-passenger knife. So this may be something that only travelers face or people who were passengers face that they, you know, cheated nature by staying longer than they were supposed to. And so maybe that is just a more painful death for some reason. Maybe they just have to travel forever. So they just get like tossed around. Yeah. Like I understand the push that it would be kind of cool if Catherine went to hell and it would certainly be deserved in many ways. But I think- why Catherine, I think it's unlikely that Catherine has done significantly worse things than, say, Cole. Sure. Who we know is on the other side. Yeah, that's a great that's a great comparison. That's like about the closest comparison I can get. Because mm-hmm. we don't know what uh, what Esther's up to. Yeah, because I was thinking about Esther and Michael, but I don't know. Yeah, it's just Esther, Michael and Catherine down there. <laughs> Catherine got there and she was like, fuck. Not you two. <laughs> Next question, Elena. What was she injected with? So we know it's the reprovirus plus the werewolf venom. And the way Wes describes it is that the werewolf venom makes it like more powerful. Well, I think he he said it makes it more lethal. Yeah. So I think we are under the impression that basically the injection not only makes them want to kill vampires, but it has a kill switch, which is like the one issue with Jesse was like, once he's out, he's just doing whatever. So now it's like, you make them go rabid and then die immediately. So I want to bring up a question. So Catherine, she's gone somewhere that appears to not be the other side. Yeah. You said she's dead for good. Elena has a lethal toxin in her system. And Nina Dobrev set a line that says, this really has been the role of a lifetime. You know that Nina Dobrev is not with us all eight seasons. Mm-hmm. So there is a possibility, if you allow yourself to see it, that Elena doesn't make it out of this one. Do you think this is where Nina Dobrev leaves us? No. 
this is a nice try trying to make <laughs> me think this. I, I respect that you're trying this, but I know it's later than this. How do you know that? I I remember because recently I kind of got a, I don't remember how this happened, but I kind of got a sense of closer to when she, you know, goes to sleep in this way. Sure. And I got the sense it was in season seven or eight, like later than I expected it. Okay. When I originally learned that this happened, I thought it would happen in like season six, season five even. But recently I had some thing that I noticed that made me be like, oh, that's later than I would have expected it to be. Okay. The other part of it is that I've seen her in a promo poster that is after this. What makes you think the promo poster is after this? Because Enzo's in it. Enzo could have been in a promo poster now. No, he wouldn't have been. Well, someone else is in it too. And do you want to hear who it is? I do want to hear who you think it is. It's a lurk. It's the actor Matthew Davis, maybe. Is it possible it's another brunette white guy? No. (laughs) I saw a really big version of this recently. I've seen it before and I've thought it was a lurk, but I've talked myself out of it. But no, it's I appreciate that you're trying this. I respect that you have to try to get me to say that she's going to leave the show in season five on Mike. But you're not going to get me here. If I were editing this episode, I would cut out that part. Says She's going to leave the show in season five. <laughs> Good thing you're not. You won't get me on this one. You've gotten me on other things, but this is not going to be one of them. I don't know. The role of a lifetime line is pretty damning, isn't it? I respect that there are enough signs that if I was stupid enough, I would fall for this. And that's why you're trying to do it, but you're not going to get me here. You're just not. We'll see. We'll see if she makes it out of this one. Next topic. (laughs) So how are Elena and Damon going to get out of this then? The Ripper virus for both of them and Elena for the werewolf toxin running through her veins. I mean, the werewolf toxin, we can get Klaus if we really need him. I don't know. I mean, I'm not concerned about Elena dying of a werewolf bite. Okay. How they figure their way out of it. I mean, obviously we know Klaus is the way, but Wes made this drop that he's like, if I can understand how this works, I can make an antidote. And now he is dead. Yeah. But it doesn't hurt to go look through his little warehouse lab. Great point. Do you think there's a possibility that they're just going to have to learn to live with this Ripper virus? I think there is a possibility because we've seen Damon kind of, not handle it like amazingly, obviously, but like he didn't kill Tyler. No worse than Stefan handling human blood. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be kind of able to get through it. Do you think before this matter is resolved, whether it is we live with this virus or there is an antidote, any other vampires will die by the hand of a ripper? I think not any of uh, immediate circle. Sure. I do think uh, it's been a while since Elena killed somebody. I guess not that long because she killed Jesse. But I think also because they've kind of watched Damon go through this first step of it, I think they're kind of prepped to handle Elena in this way. And Elena, I think, would be more than happy to get locked up to keep her friends safe. And also, you know, give her and Damon some time to talk through some things. Well, they can't be locked together. Well, they can be locked next door. Sure. Obviously, they're not going to be in the same pen. That's not worth it. Because they'll decapitate each other. Okay, next topic. This is the end of the passenger chapter. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you why I hate it so much. (laughs) I hate it so much. I hate it so, so much. I've said this before in a way, but I think it is more clear now that we see just how long Catherine sticks around. I feel like 500 Years of Solitude is such an excellent goodbye to Catherine that then it undercuts the stakes of Catherine's death by keeping her around for like four more episodes 
in a situation that everyone should be able to figure out, it's an unusual amount of plot holes for the Vampire Diaries that they already have the knife. They don't even have to find it. Bonnie didn't feel Catherine's death. Catherine uncharacteristically, like, giving up her need to survive to, like, be with Nadia and to pull one over on Elena. It just feels like there's more plot holes. The stakes are lower. It just feels like a unnecessary drawing out of Catherine's death that makes it less epic to me, narratively. I think that's fair. I thought this was a fun last episode for Catherine because I do like to see Catherine go out on a high mm-hmm. in a way. Like I like to see her kind of be able to pull one over on Elena in the last second and pulling one over on her in terms of becoming a passenger is less fun. I do think there are more plot holes because I think, you know, you can make the argument of her wanting to be with Nadia when she dies. But if we are taking Catherine at the evidence we've had for all this time, there's no way she wouldn't have just run. It feels out of character for her. Again, even though we know that she does pull one over on Elena and assume she's going to the other side, it just feels out of character that she would come back for Nadia. Yeah. Like, I'm able to kind of ignore that because, you know, I get they have to do this, but it does feel out of character for her definitely to do this. And the Bonnie not feeling her death thing just bugs me endlessly because yeah. they don't address it at all. And Bonnie makes such a big deal about how it hurts so bad every time they pass through, but she didn't notice that. Like, that is... Exactly. And even in this episode, she feels a couple deaths. She talks about how it hurts because it's one thing if they had just said, like, oh, yeah, I'm used to it now. I barely even notice it. I just feel like, why did they not explain it away? It bugs me so much. Here's the thing. What I love about 500 Years of Solitude, the episode, Mm -hmm. is how it goes through all of Catherine's life and we get the whole team like reflecting on Catherine mm-hmm. dealing with her death in various like ways of compassion and evil. And I do think Catherine's speech at the end of the episode here is like the missing piece 500 years of solitude needed to tell Catherine's story of her death. Because I just basically think if you take out this chapter and Catherine pulls one over on Elena by doing this Ripper virus thing at the end of 500 years of solitude, you don't lose anything except like a couple goofy Catherine bits. Yeah. And so then it just feels like we get this like epic goodbye. And then we like have four episodes of like, how are you people not figuring this out? And then we get another like epic goodbye. But at that point, it's like, didn't we do this? I do feel like I like this last speech of hers and this like kind of goodbye she gets to do, which she couldn't really do in that one because she was like on her deathbed. And I think there's something fun about the way Catherine dying being like, it's not a stake, but a stake adjacent type thing, you know, that yeah. someone has to stab her and do that to her. I think those all make sense. I like the goofiness of Catherine being in her body, but it goes on so long that it does get obnoxious because it's like, how are you guys not seeing this? Yeah. And so I think if anything, like they could have done an episode after 500 Years of Solitude where like Catherine got caught and like it's goofy. I think this episode ended up being very Nadia centric. Mm-hmm. And I find Nadia to be a pretty boring character. Yeah, I agree. Because it's just like, girl, what the fuck is your issue? Mm -hmm. Your mother does not want you. And then, of course, we have this whole storyline here where it's like, oh, no, Catherine loves her daughter. And it's like, Mm. does she? (laughs) I can see Catherine having a fondness for Nadia and a a happiness that she hunted her down for all these years. Mm -hmm. But it's the same way that Catherine being like selfless in 500 Years of Solitude and saying like, you need to go live your life is like, Yes and no. Like, it's kind of Catherine, but not enough that I really buy it. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is where my bigger issues with season five are. 
Whereas like the former seasons, I feel as though the chapters are really well split up and like everything kind of flows into one another. But because we're spending like these four episodes in a passenger chapter, we kind of just have to like periodically check in with Wes, who we were heightening his stakes throughout the Augustine chapter. Mm-hmm. And then we just have to keep him around so that the Ripper virus is like still here to inject Elena with. Yeah. And it's like, why didn't we just do this right after the Augustine chapter? Yeah, I agree with that. So that's my problem with the passenger chapter in general and my problem with season five as a whole up until this point. We'll see where the rest of the season goes, which brings me to our next discussion topic. What's our fourth and final chapter of the season? What's next for the rest of the season? I think it's got to be the Ripper chapter. I mean, I think we have to deal with Damon and now Elena dealing with this Ripper virus, how to either get rid of it or how to live with it. And then at the same time, you know, it's a new way for them to think about vampirism. Mm -hmm. I think it makes the bloodlust a lot more real to them because they're not really around that many humans anymore. And they both got very comfortable in like what kind of vampires they were, even Mm -hmm. though both of them in their relationship, I think had this weird relationship with change and growth and kind of like, how do we grow and also grow together, but deal with our issues. Mm -hmm. And I think them having to really confront the bloodlust head on will hopefully help them kind of think about what kind of vampires they want to be. Mm -hmm. Stephanie, do you have any other discussion topics you'd like us to get to? I do want to bring up a couple things. And I know this is stupid because I just said I thought Nadia was a boring character and here I am going to be asking questions about her. But we still have to deal with the travelers. So Matt took her body somewhere. Where did he take that? It's a great point. And, you know, we saw the travelers wanted Catherine's body so bad. We just have to think about who else might want that body. Yeah. Do you think the travelers might want Nadia's body? They might. How do the travelers fit into the rest of this season, if at all? That is a question I have. And that's kind of why I think Nadia is a missing piece there. Or in, you know, Catherine's floating away that somehow the travelers are related to that. And in kind of a linked way, I feel like these are worth kind of discussing at the same time. We've never even touched the topic of who Nadia's dad is. That's a great point. And I think it's unlikely that we will never talk about that at all. I think that's a great point. Do you think we know Nadia's dad or do you think we don't? I don't think we do. Do you think he was a traveler? I think so. Okay. Just trying to think for a second. I was like, when was Enzo born? (laughs) Just trying to think (laughs) of someone we know, but no. Yeah, Enzo, who Catherine famously was like, who's Enzo? Yeah, exactly. I was like, who is someone we know who could maybe fit in that? It was an alluric (laughs) doppelganger. That's how he comes back. (laughs) So I'm just throwing out those possibilities of, I don't necessarily know that Like, I think Nadia is one way to connect to the Travelers. And we know that the Travelers were willing to work with Wes. So I think this kind of Ripper virus, Wes, Nadia connection can kind of come together a little bit. I'm not sure how well that comes together, but that's just something I want to float. Do you think we're going to learn what the goal of the Travelers is? Yeah. Do you have any ideas about what it is? I know we didn't have any clues this episode. I'll stick with the getting rid of doppelgangers thing that I floated last time. I normally would save this for the next episode, but I'm going to tell you what the next chapter is because you were so far off. Oh, no. (laughs) Because it is not the Ripper chapter. It's the Traveler's chapter. Okay. Well, I should have. I know. I really thought you were going to obviously guess it because last time you're like, oh, this next one's the Traveler chapter. So I was like, oh, she's going to guess it. You said Ripper chapter. And I said, huh. 
She thinks we can do that for like six episodes? She said, well, now that she's proven she's such a dumbass, time for me to make her think Nina Dobrev's leaving the show next episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might just buy this. I might just get her. <laughs> that brings us to the end of this week's episode. And a quick note of housekeeping before we wrap up. We will be not releasing a new episode next week because I will be out of town visiting Stephanie. So unfortunately... Time hanging out in person is more important to us than the podcast. So we'll be together re-watching old Vampire Diaries episodes, but not watching new ones. So I'm sorry, but we will be back the week after. So one week off to really digest what just happened. As always, if you are enjoying Doppelgangers and or the Vampire Diaries, please tell your friends and give us five stars rating review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week. Goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother. Thank you.